Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Travis Schreier, the BamaOnline.com staff on a Saturday in late August here in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Back with another edition of Instant Analysis here on the Facebook home for BamaOnline.com. This one on the heels of a newsy Saturday here in Tuscaloosa. Well, on a couple of different fronts when it comes to Alabama football. The Crimson Tide earlier in the day picking up another defensive line commitment for its 2021 cycle, so we'll get into some of that. Tim Keenan, the big man, the nose guard from Ramsey High School over in the Birmingham area, we'll talk about some of that. Hello, Stephanie. Good to see you. Gerard checking in. John Bo checking in. Everybody, come on in. Let's do it. Let's talk some football on a Saturday. You know, this was supposed to be a really big sort of zero week, week zero in college football. You were supposed to have games like Hawaii and Arizona tonight. Of course, uh, because of COVID-19, those games aren't coming off. But we do have college football action just down the road. You know, I gave it some thought. I thought about jumping on Highway 82, heading down towards uh, Prattville on 82, stopping by Jim's. Barbecue there on Highway 82. If you've traveled that stretch, you know what I'm talking about with Jim's. Get that best barbecue chicken on the planet there at Jim's. Some beans, some slaw, half and a half tea, a little refill for the road. Just keep right on going into Prattville. Go by O.J. Howard's old high school there, Otaga Academy. You know what I'm talking about there on 82. Gave us some consideration. Thought about, you know what, it might not be a bad idea to go down to Crampton Bowl, try to get in tonight for that Austin P Central Arkansas game. That's an 8 o'clock kickoff. You know you'll be watching it. What else are you going to watch tonight? You're going to watch the Governors and the Bears. Let's go P versus UCA. They're going to play in Montgomery tonight. Had uh, quarter capacity, 25% capacity for Crampton Bowl tonight. So a little bit more than 6,000 tickets were sold. And they're gone, from what I understand. Sold out the 6,000 tickets there at Crampton Bowl. That game on ESPN, again, coming up at 8 Central. But we'll talk some Alabama football. We need to do it because we had a sort of double dose today, right? You had some recruiting news, as we alluded to just a few moments ago. And, of course, you had the Alabama Crimson Tide scrimmaging inside Bryant-Denny Stadium. Now, from a media perspective, the protocol continues to be in place that – we did not have access to either the sort of pre-scrimmage media viewing periods, which we typically do on an annual basis. That has been the case throughout preseason practices. Will continue to be the case for the foreseeable future. Everything we're doing with Nick Saban and the players is virtual. You heard from Nick Saban after the scrimmage today. 
That was via Zoom uh, media conference. So, um, you know, we'll talk some about what we heard from Nick Saban, maybe some other things that we're hearing. We'll have more for you on the website later this evening, I think, and then in the coming days. Charlie Potter, of course, doing an outstanding job as our beat reporter. Kirk McNair chiming in, myself. And then on the recruiting front, of course, Tim Watts, Hank South. They were busy earlier today with Tim Keenan, the defensive tackle, the nose tackle. Man, think about all the defensive tackles that have come out of the Birmingham area just in the Nick Saban era, right? I mean, you can go back to Marcel Darius. Marcel was technically an in, but he was always at his best inside. Uh, You can get into Josh Chapman. Outstanding, more of the classic uh, 3-4 nose tackle, part of that 2011 defense. Josh Chapman from Hoover High School. Uh, You've had Deron Payne. You've had Quinnen Williams. You've had DJ Dale here recently. And now you add Tim Keenan to that mix. And you're pretty heavy at defensive tackle right now. You got Damon Payne. uh, You got Anquin Barnes. And now you've got Tim Keenan. And look, there's always the possibility. I'm going to get into more of this later in the week with Tim Watts. We're going to do a podcast on recruiting coming up early in the week with Tim. And I think one of the points you're going to hear Tim make is that big people – they can end up at a number of spots. You know, you look at some former Alabama offensive linemen that came to Alabama and started out as defensive linemen. Alphonse Taylor, when he first got to Alabama, was a nose tackle. Alfred McCullough was a defensive lineman initially. Corin Curvin was an off, a defensive lineman initially, ended up as an offensive tackle, kind of a swing guy between guard and tackle. I'm not saying that's going to be the case with any three of these big guys that Alabama has committed to date, but it's something you can consider down the road for the foreseeable future. So Tim Keenan gets Alabama to 20 commitments for the 2021 cycle, and uh, tight uh, spots are getting tight now. Now you really start to see Alabama become perhaps more selective at some areas like running back, wide receiver, you know, exactly what they want to do at the offensive line now. Um Still got some areas in the secondary that you know they want to address between safety and corner. Uh, And that's kind of where it sits with the Alabama recruiting effort as of right now. Now, as for team-related items, Alabama in its eighth practice on Saturday, scrimmaging again over at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Crazy to think about the first scrimmage in the 2020 calendar year came on August the 29th. Think about that for a second. If that doesn't tell you what kind of year this has been, I don't know what will. The first Alabama football scrimmage in 2020 did not happen until August 29th. Again, we were supposed to be talking about going into game week this next week to get ready for Southern California and Dallas um, one week from today. And today we're talking about a, a scrimmage that's just eight practices into preseason work, but you heard from Nick Saban. Uh, He alluded to, I think, some pretty interesting items during his comments. Uh, It sounds like, again, as we've talked about a good bit at BamaOnline.com and really through the last recruiting process or so, a lot of freshmen, a lot of newcomers with an opportunity to impact this defense in 2020. You probably saw, you may have saw even on Twitter, 
one of those newcomers you may have caught a little bit of a video glimpse of during the early stages of Saturday's scrimmage, Malachi Moore, the, uh, the defensive back from the Birmingham area, who we've talked about through his recruitment, a guy that I like because he has a corner background at his base. You saw him work at safety late in his high school career, so there's some versatility there. And when you talk about the star position, what are you talking about? Typically, versatile dudes, guys like Minka Fitzpatrick, guys like Shaheem Carter the last couple of years. Malachi Moore fits that bill, and Brian Branch as well as a true freshman. Now, there's a lot of competition going on in that back end. You know, Other than Patrick Sertan and probably Jordan Battle at safety, you still have three or four other roles that are wide open. Now, you heard Nick Saban on Saturday speak to sort of this comfort level he has right now with a guy like Josh Job to pair with Patrick Sertan II or even Marcus Banks going into his second year in the program. But I think how things sort of play out at corner, you know, if Josh Job really is ready to be that guy opposite Patrick Sertan – and you want to keep those guys on the outside, well, then you've got a Jalen Armour Davis uh, at the start position as well. So you've got some veteran presence in there, but it does sound like between safety with Branch and Moore uh, and how they could impact also the start position, you're going to have some interaction there with some newcomers, and it's happened in the past. Mika Fitzpatrick, 2015. Walked in as a summer enrollee and was pretty much the star defensive back throughout that entire national championship season. So it's not all that far-fetched to consider. Now, a little different in 2020 with what we're dealing with and trying to make it happen um, because of the spotty nature of workouts and things like that. But sounds like a couple of those guys are ahead of the curve. And then also at outside linebacker, the perimeter of the defense in general. Outside linebacker, you heard Nick Saban talk about it today. He likes where Ben Davis and Chris Allen, the two veterans are, fourth-year player, fifth-year player. Uh, From a physical and mental maturity standpoint, they should certainly be ahead of the competition, especially when you talk early downs and defending the run and what goes into that, setting edges. Uh, Both those attributes are very important, but – When you get into long yardage and passing situations, that's certainly a place where you're going to get your best pass rushers on the field. And right now, Will Anderson may be one of those guys. Drew Sanders may be one of those guys. Chris Braswell's another talented true freshman. Q Robinson, another talented true freshman. You still have a second-year player in King Wakuda. So whereas there's not a lot of production returning, you got the sense today that Nick Saban's okay with where he's at at those outside linebacker positions. Offensively, Nick Saban did disclose that what we have pretty much heard for about a week now, that Bryce Young did not scrimmage on Saturday. The true freshman quarterback, that left, as you anticipated anyway, a lot of the first-team reps were going to go to Mac Jones in this first scrimmage, if not all of them. Scrimmage that, from what we understand, was pretty much ones versus twos. Um, and a lot of situational work tied into it as well, which is typically the case early on in fall camps, preseason practices, uh, when you're getting into the scrimmages. So, uh, you know, Mac Jones, according to Nick Saban, had a solid afternoon, 21 of 36, three touchdowns. You know, Nick continues to point to 
Mac maybe beating himself up a little too much in certain situations, which you like the competitor in your quarterback like that. Um, but there also is that fine line to where it becomes detrimental. Too much self-talk in anything can be a detriment. As someone who attempts to play golf and has for many years, self-talk has always been a real problem for years, truly. And that's where some of, when you hear Nick Saban refer to Mac Jones as Johnny McEnroe, (laughs) if you remember John McEnroe in professional tennis, no one could get into the self-talk and really talk to just about anybody like uh, like John McEnroe could back in the day. So no Bryce Young on Saturday. And with that, uh, you've got three scholarship quarterbacks, which means Paul Tyson, the redshirt freshman, probably saw a great deal of that first-team defense with the second-team offense. The offensive line, Nick Saban was asked about, specifically more the center position. And if you've been paying attention over the last week or so, you've seen some interchange there in the middle of that offensive line at center. Nick addressed a lot of that after practice today, talking about you know Chris Owens, Emil Echior, Darrington Dahlcourt can also work in there. Those seem to be the three primary guys, which is interesting because you didn't hear about Landon Dickerson, which we've seen pretty much Landon Dickerson at guard uh, throughout these eight practices. I think he's jumped in there some at center. I mean, all these guards for the most part are cross trainers between guard and center, although you heard Nick on Saturday talk about Darrington Dahlcourt pretty much exclusively a center at this point. So you're still figuring some things out there. You still, you know, you're looking at your depth, at some of your skill spots, wide receiver. Um, you know that Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle is uh, the top two in that rotation, but you got a lot of competition three through five. Uh, those are the spots that are truly going to be, you know, game plan roles on a weekly basis. Three through five, that's about it once you get beyond your top two and really your top four. But, you know, you got a veteran like Slade Bolden now. He sort of qualifies for that status, I would say, of vet. Uh, you've got Javon Baker, Trayson Holden, Tyu Jones-Bell as newcomers trying to make a move there in that rotation. So, you know, those are some things that you still got a lot of time to sort of figure out. There's a comfort level, I would think, with some of the more experienced guys like Slade Bolden, uh, who can also make some plays and do some different things for you within the offense. Uh, but Baker, the reviews on Baker, uh, and even Holden to an extent have been positive. Tyu Jones-Bell comes from a background that you anticipate at some point, whether it's early or a little bit further down the road. He's going to become a big factor as well in that South Florida pipeline. So, you know, those are some of the key points I took away from Saturday. Uh, Nick did say an off day tomorrow, more of film and stretch and um, things like that on Monday. And he did confirm what you saw probably on social media yesterday from Najee Harris, John Mechie, and some other guys that um, the team will take part in a, uh, a walk, a march, Uh, of unity that's going to originate from the Malmore Athletic Facility and continue on to the famed or infamous, I guess, in some ways, uh, schoolhouse door there at Foster Auditorium on Monday afternoon. And uh, look, you know, Nick Saban's comments on that on Saturday about what you would expect. Um, Absolutely, you would expect coaches in this era 
and in uh, you know these particular times that we're in to absolutely support their players 100%. And that appears to be what Nick Saban's going to do in this particular circumstance. And when you talk about from a, a team event, as Nick referred to it, look, you want to develop unity, you want to stress the need for everyone to be on equal footing, you're going to get a lot more out of that on Monday afternoon than if you loaded up the team and went to the bowling alley, like we've seen in some years. It's all good. You know, team bonding, those type of things, those type of exercises, they're, they're great. I don't know if you can find one, however, that is going to offer the opportunity like the one Monday is. So that's kind of where we're at. What do you got for me on this uh, Saturday? It's hot here. Nick talked about that today as well. It, it's legitimately hot in Tuscaloosa. It's probably hot everywhere else you're, you're checking in from. Uh, hopefully you folks down more along the Gulf uh, weren't impacted by Hurricane Laura, that awful stepdaughter uh, of Mother Nature. Yeah, it's truly, I mean, there's protocols in place that, you know, if you don't hear about or see guys in practice, um, you know, there's quarantine protocols that are in play. Um, So that's sort of the the expectation. Justin, I mean, that's that's essentially what we've heard from Nick Saban with guys who are out, that essentially you're looking at, in all likelihood – the virus impacting the football team. And the good news for Alabama is when you look around college football to this point, Alabama hasn't been hit to the extent of having to pause workouts altogether. You know, Auburn's had a situation here in the last couple of weeks, couple of days, Uh, NC State, North Carolina, Notre Dame. So whereas you, in a perfect world, wouldn't have to quarantine anyone, In a realistic world, it's going to happen. And, you know, Nick Saban said on Saturday, guys who aren't at practice and who are a part of that are just being treated basically as injured players. Michael, you know, there's been some really positive buzz about Ishmael Sofsher. And I think he's the latest sort of case study in one of these nose tackle types. We talked about the nose tackles with Tim Keenan committing, committing earlier today. Um you know there are a lot of a lot of early judgments cast at big guys offensive line defensive line and you got to understand for most of these guys not to try to you know knock where they're coming from in terms of nutritional situations and strength and conditioning situations i mean it's it's not 1/100th of what they're going to experience once the, once they get to Alabama And there's also that proverbial light sometimes, you know, a mindset that has to kick in for guys. And I think Ishmael Softscher is one of those guys. And there's been a lot of positivity about the ground that Ishmael has covered. And he's another one of these guys that you're going to be able to probably use a measuring stick for when you consider the change in the direction of the sports uh, science and strength and conditioning program. He could be a guy that benefits great greatly from that. Um, you know, I haven't heard. I guess uh, with the uh, cheerleaders and, and the band, 
know, how that's going to sort of play out this year. You know, I was watching some high school football earlier, game in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. They had the social distancing in a sizable high school stadium. They were still able to do the cheerleaders and the bands. And I know here locally uh, in Tuscaloosa, with Tuscaloosa City Schools, Tuscaloosa County, uh, still trying to manage all of that as well. But um, we have seen the SEC here in the last few days sort of release protocols in terms of uh, essential personnel and you know where they're going to be able to be on the field and how it might impact our job and the media. Um, that's kind of where it's at. Yeah, Justin, Brian Branch is working at that star position along with um, – along with uh, Malachi Moore, Jalen Armour Davis, as Nick pointed out today, there's the possibility, if you feel good enough about two other corners, that you can always play Patrick Sertan in there as well. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Not sure on Christian's story today, Marco. Uh, Again, we're going to have more stuff as best we can get it. You know, this is about an hour after Nick Saban's press conference, so... You know, as we continue to to gather stuff as best we can, we'll try to have that for you. You know, Trey Sanders is right there in that mix, you know, behind Najee Harris. And, you know, he kind of is a really good complement between Najee and Brian Robinson. You know, Brian is uh, a guy that can do some different things. You can get a little heavier maybe in your formations with Brian in there, some two-back stuff even. Uh, but Trey Sanders is a guy you can use similarly to Najee. You hand him the football, you can throw it to him. You know, he's a he's an every down back. <laughs> Michael, I do believe Alabama intends to uh, field a uh, a pass rush this year. Yes, yes, they will have a pass rush. No, I know what you're talking about. And look, you know, it's a it's a concern. I. I think I'm expecting early in the season for kind of the roles to be flipped from last year, you know, when you pretty much had um, edge guys in Anthony Jennings and Terrell Lewis, but you uh, you just didn't get nearly enough out of your interior, your defensive line. Uh, you lost LeBron Ray. DJ Dale was hurt for much of the season, and so – uh, Christian Barmore flashed, but I think you're going to see a lot more consistency um, from the guys up front. Now, the question becomes this year, your edge guys, and that's why we've talked a lot uh, about guys like Will Anderson and some of the influx of uh, young talent. Miles wants to know who the kicker will be week one. I'm going to go with Will Reichard there. And, you know, I think the biggest thing with Will is – Exactly. How much will he be counted upon to handle? Um, you're going to still try to maybe incorporate some punting into that. Um, you know, that's that's the question uh, with him, the workload coming off that hip injury. But, you know, I think if uh, 
I think if 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 he's truly back to himself, which he appears to be, you know, Will Reichard has a chance to be everything he was billed to be coming out of Hoover High School. What else do we have on a Saturday evening? You know what? I mean, just one of the great things about eight days so far is that no matter what happens from here on out, even if this sort of house of cards goes up, um, you're going to have gotten in at least eight practices in a scrimmage at a minimum, and they're going to get in more than that. And I think they're going to play. But, man, it's just good that, that Alabama is able to get in some work, especially with all these uh, these young guys. Asking about the punting situation. Again, that's an area where Reichard could impact it. I thought it was interesting a couple of days ago. We finally got some... We finally got some uh, some video from UA of punters at practice. Now, they were just catching snaps. Shout out, by the way, to Gabe Pugh, long snapper for Alabama from Northridge High School right here in Tuscaloosa. But we did see Will Riker jump in there and at least catch some snaps. We saw Ty P. Ryan. I haven't heard much about Charlie Scott to this point. Um, Ronald asking about other wide receivers. We talked about that a little bit earlier, Ronald. Again, uh, Slade Bolden, John Mechie. Um, and then you, you have Xavier Williams, a guy who's becoming more and more of a program vet. And then you get into uh, Javon Baker and, and Treshawn Holden and Tyu Jones-Bell. No, DJ, I don't think we're at the point where Paul Tyson is pushing Mac Jones. I think Paul Tyson is... Uh, certainly made improvements, and I think as we've talked about on the Bama Online podcast and uh, on the website in general, with the situation being what it is and seeing Bryce Young out uh, for this week, um, you got to have all three of those guys ready. You, you just don't know. Craig, I haven't heard as much about Chris uh, Braswell as of yet. I, I will say that you know, again, at that position, I think one of the reasons, this is just my opinion, why you're probably hearing more about Will Anderson and Drew Sanders at this point has to do with where they're at physically. You know, Chris Braswell, I believe, 6'4", 210. Remember Christian Miller, when he came into Tuscaloosa, came into Alabama, Tim Williams? You know, some of these edge guys, it's more than just getting off in the pass rush. Uh, you physically have to be able to hold up, and typically that takes some time. Well, Will Anderson is 6'3", 6'4", 240 or so. Uh, Drew Sanders is 6'5", 240 or so. Um, so there you go. Yeah, I continue to hear really good things about Christian Barmore. Um, and my question there, and I think most folks, it's been more about a maturity thing with him. Is he to a point going into his third year where – down in and down out, you can count on Christian Barmore to do not always what's going to lead to a sack or a tackle for a loss, but what's going to be the best for the defense as a whole. And Freddie Roach coming in, you continue to hear a lot of great things about Freddie taking over that room. Really needs some stability in that room. I mean, what are we talking about here? This is the fifth defensive line coach, like in as many years, right? Um, you had Dunbar, you had Kuligowski, um, you had Baker, and now you got Freddie. 
And that was before you had Bo Davis. I guess Carl was here for a couple years. But you really need some stability in that room. And Nick talked about it last week in terms of continuity. Well, it's not just within the football staff and what you're able to do on the practice field, but also on the recruiting trail. And Freddie's already had a real nice impact there, both in the junior college ranks in Mississippi and then flipping Kadarius Callaway, having a hand in that, and flipping Callaway away from Mississippi State. Jason, it should. You know, but that doesn't mean that this defense still doesn't have a lot of questions. I mean, there's a lot of positivity, but there are still a lot of unknowns. And, um, you know, that's where I thought the USC opener was going to be very revealing because of Keaton Slovis and the skill people that SC has. And Graham Harrell is a, a really good ball player, a ball, uh, ball play drawer up guy and ball play caller. Um, But Texas A&M week two will tell you plenty too, even if Missouri doesn't. Josh, DeMarco Ellums uh, working at that safety position. And as we talked about, Charlie Potter and myself on the podcast and on the website, um, one of those guys in the mix for the the money position in the dime, the dime back spot. Craig, I think four of those spots are pretty well set. And I think if you can, you know, keep your centers together – and active, um, as of today, I would think Chris Owens to go along with two other redshirt seniors right up the middle of that offensive line uh, would work pretty well. But again, you've got Emil Echior that can swing between a couple spots, and you know I still think Darian uh, Dalcourt at some point is going to be a really good player. Jason checking in from my hometown down there, Duval. They had a scrimmage today. The Jacksonville Jaguars, Cam Robinson, Gardner Minshew, Ronnie Harrison. DJ, um, probably going to take multiple guys, perhaps, to fill the shoes of Xavier McKinney at safety. Um, You talk about, first, just the safety position in general with Jordan Battle, Daniel Wright still in that mix. Um, Then you come with some young guys like uh, Brian Branch, Malachi Moore, Eddie Smith, DeMarco Ellums. Uh, Xavier playing that dime role that we just talked about. Maybe that's Ellums uh, that takes that over. What else do we have? Yeah, we've covered Bryce. He's been out. Robert, everything we can gather and everything we've been able to glean tells us that Trey Sanders uh, is in good shape there at running back. Now we just need to see it. Bryce has been unavailable, Craig. He is still on the football team, though. And Nick Saban said he'll be back Monday. Yeah, David, you know, Saban talked about that today, too, with uh, David Ballou and Matt Ray and, you know, how getting through tough days like today because there was a sort of real feel situation today of, like, 105 in Tuscaloosa. Um that that approach, you know, can help him in that that regard as well. Um, although Saban said he thought, as much as anything, they may see the biggest difference once they get into game weeks, and how they're able to recover and how they're able to, you know, get through those stretches. From as much as anything, I think an injury perspective is what's of particular interest. 
DJ, if you would have asked me six months ago who was going to be the third wide receiver, I would have said yes, John Mechie. But again, as we talked about earlier, a lot of competition right now. Uh, I don't I don't think Slade Bolden's a guy you should discount by any means. I don't think the newcomers should be discounted. Um, so we'll see coming up here. Carl Tucker, Jason, yeah, that's the uh, tight end transfer from North Carolina. And uh, we've seen some of him. I heard a little bit about Carl, but, you know, it's going to be Miller Forstall, I think, first and foremost at tight end. But you could see more two tight end sets this year uh, from this kind of offense. And then you, that's when you get into Carl Tuckerville, I would think. Robert asking about inside linebacker with Dylan Moses. Um, my my guess there has been Christian Harris, and I don't think that's going out on a limb at all. Uh, I think you combine you know his playmaking ability, his upside, and everything you invested into him from a reps perspective last year, and then you bring back Dylan to sort of run the show and do what he does. Um, you know, Christian Harris could have a big year this year. The starting star position, I believe that was William. We've uh, we've we've covered that earlier. A um, couple of three guys in that mix: um, Jalen Armour Davis. Uh, you've got uh, Malachi Moore, Brian Branch, Josh. I think depth is going to be fine on that defensive line once you get beyond assuming it's Ray and Dale and Barmore that are your first three. I mean, you're still going to be able to come with some guys like Fedarian Mathis, Justin Aboigby, uh, Byron Young. Um, you expect Braylon Ingram to continue to develop. Ishmael Softshire, you still have Stefan Wynn. Uh, you brought in Tim Smith. Um, you've got plenty of guys. <laughs> Tim, that's a great question, man. With this eligibility situation due to the virus, and, and you've got guys like Josh McMillan, um, that the way I read it, you know, could be a seventh-year guy. Um, you've got guys like Brandon Kennedy at Tennessee. It's going to be a six-year guy at center for the Vols, a former Alabama player this year. I think where it could get really interested in is quarterbacks getting these extra years. And by the time that they're done with their eligibility, how many different, um, how many different schools are some of these guys going to have played for? I mean, like Georgia. If Jamie Newman ends up losing the job to JT Daniels or vice versa, although, you know, I guess it could work out either way if, if Newman gets another year too. And you could see some of these quarterbacks playing for three or four schools with the uh, grad transfer thing. You're already seeing it, I think, in some instances. All right, gang. We're going to get out of here on a Saturday. We're going to let you get ready for that. Uh, know you're chomping at the bit. You'll, uh, you'll be ready for that uh, Austin P. Uh, Central Arkansas game coming up at 8 Central, as we talked about earlier, from Crampton Bowl down in Montgomery. How about that? It's a little different. Good for those teams, though, man. Pretty cool. Get to play on national television, ESPN primetime kind of get things going for the college football season. That's going to do it for Instant Analysis. As always, we appreciate you joining us here on the program. Appreciate you joining us at BamaOnline.com, which you're going to want to continue to do throughout the evening and in the coming days because 
As we get more information, we're obviously going to provide it to you right there at BamaOnline.com. You need to hang out at that roundtable. Premium message board of choice for Alabama fans everywhere. We're going to have a couple more podcasts coming up in the next few days. Charlie Potter, Tim Watts. We're going to cover team. We're going to cover recruiting. We're going to cover it all at BamaOnline.com and, of course, on the Bama Online podcast as well. Have a great rest of your weekend, everybody. We'll do it again real soon right here on the Facebook home for BamaOnline.com. CBS Sunday, after the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. CBS season finale Sunday after The Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.